praise God. We serve a God who is unshakable, yes. unstoppable, yes. hallelujah, unchangeable. I am John Thomas, the pastoral resident. I have the privilege and honor to, to unpack God's word for you this morning. Um, as you know, our pastor is out on sabbatical. We thank God for the shepherd that he has placed in this house. So, so I count it a pleasure to be here in his stead. Our text this morning is coming from Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42. I'm going to try my best not to hold. Psalm chapter 42. When you are there, shout glory. If you, when you're there, shout glory. If you are not there, say, hold up. I ain't hear nobody shout glory. Y'all ain't scared, are you? All right, we got one. We, we go, we go roll with that. All right, hear the word of the Lord from Psalms. 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? As with, dead, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Heavenly Father, as I proclaim your word this morning, I pray, God, that you use me, that you speak through me, that you position and prepare your people to hear from you, quell all of the distractions and any plans of the enemy, that your word may find a place, a home, to nestle into the hearts of your people, that they be able to carry it with them throughout the week and get the nutrients from your word. Father God, teach us to pray, to remember, so that we can hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. Go ahead. 
not too, uh, not too long ago, a few, probably a couple of months ago, uh, a fellow Lakelander by the name of Darren was flying on a private flight from Jamaica back here. And on his way back, the pilot had a medical episode and the plane began to dive. And I mean dive quickly. Darren was able to pull the, the um, pilot out of the way while he was unconscious. And as he pulled him out of the way, he jumped in the seat, but he didn't know what to do, so he was able to make a phone call to the control tower. And he's trying to tell them, this is my first time in this seat. I've never been a pilot. I don't know what I'm doing. And as he's looking at the the panel there of switches and buttons, they're trying to tell him what to press, but they are not on the same wavelength. They're missing each other because they don't know what the panel looks like. So finally, they get him in connection with the person who was running the, the control tower, and this person happens to be a flight instructor. And they're able to pull up his uh, control panel and how it looks, and they can tell him what to press and how to land the plane safely. And Darren, a first-time pilot, learns to land a plane in a situation filled with despair. See, life is going to, life is set up in such a way that there are going to be times when we find moments of despair. And either we're going to get caught up in the despair or we will be like Darren and thinking of a, a situation that God is not going to let happen. We can get caught up in despair or we'll be able to hang on to hope that says that the current situation ain't going to always be like this. That's where Darren was, and by God's grace, he's still here with us today. And, and, and I want to ask you guys, when you find yourself in a place of despair, are you reaching out to the one who can change your situation? See, there's a, a question in our text today, and it's very similar to a question that was asked in the garden. God asked Adam, he said to Adam, where are you? And as you know, Adam was in the garden hiding because they were naked and they had just sinned against God. But God asked him that question and a series of other questions that leads Adam to repentance. But how long do you think it took after they were put out of the garden for the enemy to ask them the question of where is your God? A situation that is filled with despair. Here they are, are leaving everything that God has set up for them. And because of their actions, they have been put out and now they leave and there's a question in the back of their mind. There's a question that the serpent is bringing to them. Where is your God? See, we're going to find ourselves at a place where the enemy is saying that to us. 
And either we're going to respond in uh, despair or we're going to respond hanging on to hope. See, because Darren was hanging on to hope, he was able to find a way to get that plane landed and safe on the ground. If he were caught up in the moment of despair, it would have been a much different story. See, in our text today, the psalmist, the psalmist is in a place of despair. And as he's in this place for despair, he explains his desire for God. And, and he's saying, I'm longing for God. I'm hungering for him. I want his presence. And he finished that thought with saying, when can I appear before God? And he's saying, I need your presence. I need God's presence. Not like I just want to hang out with him. Not just I want to talk to God. But I need his presence like a dehydrated person searching for water in a desert. I need him even just a drop. He's saying, I want the presence of God. And, and as, the, as he goes on, we can find out why he is in this need for God's presence. He's saying, I'm crying day and night. I'm crying all day long because of my enemies. They are telling me, where is your God? This is why he's hungry for the presence of the Father. Because he is in a situation that is full of despair. See, sometimes the Father will allow us to be in a place of despair so that we could see that we need him. See, God is a God of relationship. That's what it's about. So he's going to do some things that will take away the training wheels of your faith, take away the crutches of your faith so that you can realize where your source comes from. Because what he really wants is he wants you in relationship, so he's pulling you closer and closer. See, that's, that's just like God to give us something that causes us to be in relationship with him. See, the, the psalm that we read this morning is from or written by the sons of Korah. And the sons of Korah, they have an inside lane to, to the presence of God. They understand what God's presence is, a, is like. They know who he is, and they know what his presence is like. So as they write this psalm, all they're doing is looking at their world and saying, God, this is not like you. They're looking at their world and filtering it through the lens of God's presence. See, the sons of Korah were members of the, the Levite tribe. So they were always given to being in the temple, doing the, the things that brought about the way that the temple was supposed to look and feel and be clean and handle all the different things. So they were used to that. But way back, when they had got out of the land of Egypt, Korah, their father, he had a friend that he talked to, and he was telling his friend how what Moses was doing wasn't right, 
and how he wanted to work in a different place. And it's not fair that Moses get to tell these people where to work. So he and his friends, they get together and they spread that throughout the camp. And they gather up 250 men plus themselves to come and confront Moses and tell him what he should do. And by default, they're confronting God. Long story short, God causes the ground to open up beneath them, swallowing them whole, and causing the 250 men that was with them to be consumed by fire. And the Bible tells us that Korah and his house perished. But what we see here is that the sons of Korah has written this beautiful song. How do we go from a rebel to writing the books that we read today, the books that teach us to pray and to praise? See, isn't that just like God to save a remnant? Here is these sons of Korah. No doubt they had heard the story of what happened to their father, and they just became devout men of God. He uses them to write to us today. And as he's praying, he's bombarded with the thoughts of going to the temple, how they would fix things up. And as he's bombarded with that thought, he's reminded of what it's like. He, he was the worship leader, leading the people, going with flocks of them, leading in song and shouts of praise. He is longing for that. He knows what God's presence is like. He wants to be in the house of God. I wonder if we have that kind of desire to be in the house of God, to be in community with our brothers and sisters. Don't you know this is the place where we are encouraged, where we are strengthened, that God will use our brothers and our sisters to speak into our lives? It is so encouraging to be around the saints of God and hear them singing the truths of God, rehearsing and reciting for themselves who God is what he does, who his character is. There is just a, a, a smorgasbord of grace in the house of God. All kinds of grace is right here at our disposal when we are together in the house of God. And that's what the psalmist is saying, I want that. And what I'm currently experiencing is not that. And as we read in verse 5, his memory, he's, he's re remembering this exciting time of worship, leading God's people, but just right back into despair. He goes right back into despair, and he has to tell himself, he has to tell himself hope in God. He's saying, why are you cast down hope in God? Why? 
because he's going to sing his praise again. He's telling himself to hope in God because he knows that God is not going to leave it like this. This will not be how this ends. God is his savior. See, when we go to God in prayer, when we go to God in our despair, it causes us to shift our focus from the condition, shift our focus from despair to the character of God, who God is. See, when we pray, it's just an exercise of our faith, saying that, God, I know enough about you to bring this to you, to know that you can intervene. And as we pray, it's changing our heart, grasping, grasping on to the character of God. See, like Darren, when he was on that plane, he had to find a way to grasp on to something he didn't have. See, the, the control tower, their help was always available. It was invisible to him, but always available. And any time we're praying, it's our radio call to the control tower. And we're asking God to intervene. Do some things that I cannot do. And God will just intervene in their situation. And as we read, we hear him pouring out his heart, praying that. See, through prayer, we're leaning on who God said he is. God, this is who you said you are and I'm trusting that. The, the psalmist says, hope in God. How can he hope in God? Here he is in this depressing situation. Why is it that the psalmist in this state can hope in God? Why can he hope in the Lord? He says there in verse 6, I am down in the dumps. I am depressed. And even facing that, as he's thinking of his depression, he says, therefore, I remember. Here I am downcast. Here I am depressed. I feel like life is just breaking down around me. It seems like it's just going down the drain. But what does he do? He says, I remember. He says in the text, I remember Jordan, the land of, of Hermon and from Mount Lazar. See, for, for the sons of Korah, uh, Jordan was a very significant place. Very significant. See, when Joshua had took over the leadership of the people, the children of Israel, when they got to Jordan, they had to figure out how to cross. So as they're there at Jordan, they're uh, standing there, and God has instructed Joshua on what to do. The psalmist knows this story. He knows it well. He knows that they make it across Jordan. He knows that they are given great victories in this land. As he prays, he's thinking of that. 
He's remembering the God who keeps his promise. He's remembering the covenant-keeping God. See, because when he thinks about Jordan, it's just not that. It's not just this place where God was victory, where God was victorious, where he gave us the victory. It also points back to the Red Sea. Here they are exiting pain at the Red Sea, entering pleasure, entering promise at Jordan. That's what he is remembering. That this God that I serve, he not only gives us victory, he releases us from captivity. He, he gives us an exit out of pain. And he enters us, he lets us enter into promise. He remember the story because Joshua was told that as they go through the, the Jordan River, as the water is standing up high on one side and it's completely dry on the other, as you walk across, get 12 men to gather 12 stones, stones that were so big they would have to carry them on their shoulder. And they were instructed to stack those stones, pile them up in this place so that when the children come, and they ask about those stones, they'll be able to know how mighty their God is. There is something important about remembering the victories that God has given us. See, with prayer, we're able to hold on to the character of God. But when we remember, we're able to take that Take that character of God and embrace it and hold, really hold on to it. See, I can almost hear them explaining to the baby sons of Korah, asking the children running, asking, where did these stones come from? And they tell them, you see the river over there, the, the Jordan River? They came out of the bottom of the river. And I can hear the children saying, no, uh how could you get those out of the river? And they tell them the story of how they came to the banks of the river and the river banks were overflowing. But God caused the water to pile up high on one side and to be dry. And all they had to do as they passed by with those 12 men was just reach down and pick up a stone. He's telling them the story, and he's saying, I remember that. We should be remembering the victories that God has given us. These are victories that we share with our children, pass them down of God's faithfulness, God's power, God's might. Reminding us that we serve a God who is mighty to save. And that's what the psalmist is remembering when he calls out the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mazar. And as he's thinking about these uh, watery victories that God had brought them through, here 
comes the despair again. And he says to God, your waves have crashed over me. Now, that, now what he's doing, he's not blaming God for what happened. Understand that he is not blaming God for what happened. But what he is doing is saying, I'm taking my experience and putting it in the context of your sovereignty. This pain, this, dis, this despair that I am in, this bad situation didn't happen without you knowing. You in your sovereignty has allowed this. And we don't want to get mad for the things that God has allowed because if our eyes could see all that he has protected and defended us against, our mouths would not cease to give him praise. But what the psalmist is doing, this son of Korah, he's taking this situation and saying, God, you are sovereign. And you have allowed this to happen. Your waves are crashing into me. Have you ever felt like you had a crushing blow that came from God? Have you ever felt like you just be impressed? Maybe that, that job you've been trying to get for three years and you still couldn't get it. Maybe you've been working on yourself, trying to know who you are, and you still are struggling with your identity. You don't know who you have become. Maybe that relationship didn't turn into a marriage. And it seems like life is just going from complicated to crisis. That kind of situation will make you feel like, what is it worth? Life is just going down the drain. God's waves has crashed over you. See, he's not blaming God for what happened, but he's saying, God, you are in control. You have allowed this. He understands that this despairing situation that he is in has happened under the sovereign watch of God his father. And as he thinks of this pain, he, say, he, he says this. He goes on there in verse 6, and he says, you proved your love to me. Here I am in despair, but you proved your love to me. You have made me happy in darkness, causing my heart to sing. And look at what he's doing. He is holding the tension. His situation is not changing. He's talking to the father. It's still the same. But every time he moves on, he finds a little bit of joy. And then he's back in despair. Isn't that just like us? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That, that's us. But how does he handle that? He says, a prayer to the God of my life. And then he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? He's back at despair. Why am I going around mourning? 
And then he asked that question again. Where is your God? Where is your God? Either your answer is going to be one of despair or one that is hanging on to hope. I want to let you know today that how you answer that, it is so important. There are some today who has that question, the enemy asking them, where is your God? And their answer is one of despair. And that brings us to the, the, the time in history where we're deconstructing our faith. How dangerous is that to deconstruct our faith without reconstruction? Reconstructing it upon God's word. The psalmist says in the end, he says, hope in God. Because it will not always be like this. He says it's not going to be like this because he says, I'm going to praise. Right now, I'm not praying, praising. Right now, I'm praying, pouring out myself to God. But he believes that his situation will change to praise. He's believing in a, a testimony is on the way. He believes that after some period of testing, he'll be able to give a testimony. Maybe that's where you are. If you are facing despair, can you answer in hope? The psalmist says, I'm hanging on to hope. In the face of despair, I'm hanging on to hope. Bear with me just a little bit longer. I'm in, I'm in my seat. I'm about to take my seat. But I just got to tell you about hope. Are you hanging on to hope today? Have you been in a situation that's full of despair? I want to encourage you to pray like the sons of Korah. Because when you pray, God is going to change your heart and the Holy Spirit is going to cause your heart to grasp on to the character of God. And as you grasp onto the character of God through prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of God's goodness, remind you of his past victories. And as he reminds you of that, you're going to embrace it and be encouraged to hope. Hang on to hope today. Hang on to hope. See, those victories that he reminds us of are pointing us to better. Better is coming. You can expect better in the future. See, when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden, they left with hope. They left with hope. See, God had told them, I'm going to put enmity between the woman's offspring and the serpent. That was hope. And he goes on to let them know that the, the serpent will bruise the heel of the woman's offspring, but the offspring is going to crush the serpent's head. See, in Adam, we lost our original righteousness. We lost our original holiness. We lost that intimate communion that we had with God. 
But God was sending hope. God was sending hope. And as we lost that, Adam was our our covenant head. He was the representative of all mankind. He led us into sin, and we are guilty, worthy of death and hell forever. But God was sending hope. God was sending hope. And this hope is Jesus Christ. He is the offspring that crushes the serpent's head. See, the devil thought that he could shatter this hope. I want to let you know that he brought charges, false charges up against Jesus. Jesus was sentenced to death and their hope hung. Their hope hung on the cross and Satan is thinking, I got him now. I got him now. Hope died the death that we couldn't die, lived the life that we couldn't live. It was the righteous for the unrighteous. This satisfied the wrath of God for our sins. Hope died. And they took hope and laid hope in a borrowed tomb. And as Jesus lay there in that tomb, I want to let you know, hell was having a party. Hell was having a party, and all of Jesus' friends, his family, and his followers, they believed that all hope was lost. But during those 72 hours, during those three days that Jesus lay in the tomb, he went on down to hell. And Satan was there just about to give his toast, lifting his glass and saying to the demons, we got him now. Where is their God? And just as he answered in my sanctified imagination, I see Jesus coming in. He walks into the party. Hope is here. Hope is here. See, when hope is on the scene, it crashes hell's party. The demons fall to the ground. Satan's cup slipped from his hand. He stumbles back. And Jesus says, hope is here. I come to let you know that I'm setting the captives free. I come to let you know that your days are numbered and you, Satan, are a defeated foe. He says, I have the keys. And as you can see, death can't hold me. I want you to know that early on the third day, he got up. He got up from that grave and he walked out with all authority and all power. And that is the power that he has. He walked out with all power, giving us hope. Strong Tower, he is our hope. Jesus Christ in us is our hope of glory. Are you hanging on to hope this morning? Are you hanging on to hope? In the words of our psalmist, hope in his salvation, hope in his steadfast love, hope, hope saints in God, because we will praise him again. Let us pray.